Shri Shri Gaurada Madhava Ki Jai, Tauji Gopal Ki Jai, Gaur Nityananda Ki Jai, Gaur Bhakta Vrinda Ki Jai, Gaur Premananda. the answer. Not like Korma. That's the answer. Then Krishna, the source of all avatars, suddenly dove from the top of the tree into the black waters below, wherein he swam underwater, invoking the matsya, within himself. Just imagine the beauty of Krishna himself swimming with the ability of the Matsya avatar. I have not uh, found in general Indians to be good swimmers, but or fond of it, but these cowherds were very fond of such. And Krishna's swimming here in such a way that Kaliya, who's envious of his associates and by extension him, would nonetheless be enamored and uh, dazzled by the beauty of Krishna. I mean, he's uh, an underwater serpent. Well, he's a Naga. Hmm. We talked a little bit about Naga people. But uh, at any rate, with regard to the serpent aspect of the Naga people, he's uh, quite, uh, I mean, he's living in the water. So, like, imagine like an eel swimming in the water. <clears throat> so, then to see Krishna in human form, but swimming like the best of fish, <clears throat> is quite uh, startling for poor Kaliya. So we invoke here the uh, the uh, uh, very foundational uh, point, of course, of the uh, Gaudiya Tattva, or the, the, the philosophy. We have a philosophy and we have a, yes, a religion, so it's a filio, filo, religio, <laughs> philosophical, religious, abed, 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 abed. So it's one philosophy, and, and it lends itself to different ex- religious expressions, both in the uh, realm of sadhana, by way of um, acclamation to or um, attraction to different angas of bhakti. Hmm? There are many. Rupa Goswami lists 64, and if we study that carefully in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, we'll see that the 64 angas that he mentions are mental, uh, they're physical, there uh, include speech, and so forth, so capable of consuming the entirety of our physio-biological sense of self. At the same time, any one of them is is also capable of bringing about 
perfection, especially certain uh, uh, angas that have been singled out. I mentioned five that he singles out, Rupa Goswami, at the end of his section on angas of Vaidhi Bhakti before he begins to speak about Rag Bhakti. We are in the angas of Vaidhi Bhakti, by and large, are also uh, applicable. Um, but aside from those five, of course, there are the famous nine, Navalakshan Bhakti, enunciated by Prahlad. Hmm? Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu, Smaranam, Parasevanam, Archanam, Bhanganam, Dasyam, Sakyam, Atmani, Vedanam. Hmm? And uh, this is when he was asked by his father, Hermit Kasipu, what was the best thing that he had learned in school. Yes wasn't exactly nectar to his father's ears, uh, but it's uh, a very, the point being here, it's a very pronounced moment in the Bhagavatam. Mm -hmm. The child is being asked by the father what he learned in school, and the father, is, his life is um, adverse to Vishnu, who, in another incarnation, is said to have killed his brother Hiranyaksha. So his whole life is is dedicated to uh, like a like an like an atheistic person announcing the position of God, killing God. It is thought that uh, who was it? Darwin. Well, Frederick, he um, was a little uh, different. He, he he might have said God is dead, dead, but what he. What he meant by it is is is, is another thing, but uh, it was uh, I think uh, Marx who said that Darwin is dealt the death blow um, to God, something like that. Of course, we heard from an article I wrote recently that we, we read on the beach that Darwin himself sent her peace to his um, uh, evolutionary theory as natural selection but that he couldn't accommodate beauty, the beauty of the world, within natural selection. He couldn't tie aesthetics to survival. Hmm? So it was a force independent of survival that drove species to do things that might even be at the cost of their survival. Hmm? So, of course, we waxed theological there, <laughs> taking the opportunity to speak about uh, reality, the beautiful, and, and, and how we, from the Hindu sector and, and, and the Gaudiya Vaishnava sector in particular, uh, draw upon the natural environs and the beauty of the natural world, uh, by and large for the most part, to try to put into words and, and, and the picture hmm? Paint a picture, if you will, through through words, um, uh, as to the what, what we refer to as as, as Krishna, the all attractive. So, um, uh, the Bhagavatam is full of such descriptions, and we find him here in a rural uh, environment and decorated not by a. Uh, uh, a golden crown, but a, but the crown of a peacock feather, if you will. The peacock feather is an interesting um, thing in, in itself. Um, 
as you know, it's, it has a peacock feather has eyes on it, and it's very beautiful. So the implication, in, in one sense, at least prior to Krishna's puvarag and the manifesting Madhuri Ras, there's another consideration there. But um, aside from that, the eye and the beauty. So eye and beauty means to to uh, beauty by extension is we we say. Love is the most beautiful thing. Hmm. So, and the eye is to see. So, often love is blind, blind to reason, but there's a wise kind of love as well, right? That is bhakti vedanta. Hmm. So, bhakti is, is, is the beauty, and with regard to the Religion and philosophy. I was speaking of bed, abed, and bed. Religion is the difference, different expressions, the beauty of sakya as opposed to madhurya, as opposed to vatsalya or dasya. These are all decor- decorating expressions of difference that don't compromise the unity of the one philosophy. Hmm. That is uh, the cornerstone of which is, which is what we're getting to. Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam, this is the Paribas Sutra, of, for example, of Chaitanya Charitamrita, the cornerstone of the philosophy that, that, that uh, as Krishna says in the Gita, Mata Sarvam Prabhatate Iti Knowing me to be the source of everything, it means all, including all the avatars, all possibilities of taste and, and so forth. One is in a position to love me in the way that uh, the residents of Braj do. Hmm? In other words, if you want to give, render unalloyed love in the fullest sense, ananya bhakti, uttam bhakti in the fullest sense, you have to have two things in place. You have to have the object of love who's capable of taking all love. Hmm? Comparatively, Narayan cannot take all love. He cannot take Sakya. His his devotees would pass out at the thought. Therefore, when Gopakumar arrived in Vaikuntha and he saw Narayan and it corresponded, he corresponded in some ways with his deity in the Gopal Mantra that he was chanting that had brought him there. He said, hey, Gopal! And immediately the guards came. You can't talk to him like that. That is Narayan. Hmm? So again, Ryan is controlled by his devotees. He cannot accommodate Sakirasa. It's not, it's not uh, possible in that realm. So that we have to go to Goloka, and so on. We have to speak of Madhurya Rasa, and he's got one Lakshmi. Krishna has many. Parakya. How can Lakshmi do Parakya? That's impossible for her. Absolutely impossible. Because she couldn't even. They cannot possibly. They fit between her her ears. There's, there's no place for that. She's the chaste wife of Narayan. Her chastity is celebrated throughout the three, three worlds. Hmm. Not possible for her. Hmm. So, from an aesthetic point of view, hmm. we reason, and well, our Acharya said, that Krishna is the fountainhead of all forms of divinity. Hmm. Um, how do we get to Darwin? Um, I want to connect that th- thought. Um, hmm. 
Right, so Kiranyakasipu was trying to kill God, so to speak. So, so if we look at it outside of the the drama of the Leela, if you will, from a philosophical point of view, we find people that want to do that, and it was thought by some, by Marx, for example, and others in contemporary society that that Darwin has dealt a death blow to God, but he couldn't accommodate beauty, a force independent of, that drove species, hmm? uh, he thought that, 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 that there was a, a measure of cognitive uh, faculty within animals that for decades has been dismissed as ludicrous. Only now, in contemporary philosophy, is it, is it, within the last decade, is a pan-psychic perspective uh, beginning to have uh, credibility. Of course, there'll be materialistic versions of pan-psychism, but the idea is that you know, pan-psychism is that there's consciousness, in this sense, the psyche, as it's thought uh, in, in, uh, in Western philosophy, is in some ways or to a larger extent uh, present everywhere in all species. We were thought very much from the dualism of Descartes to be entirely different from the natural world because we were self-aware. But now we're, they're finding egos, self-identity self in insects even, would speak of animal species and trees. It's a very popular book What's it called? Beauty of Trees or something? Secret Life? Trees or something like that. Very popular. Mm -hmm. So, of course, the original panpsychism, this is, this is Vedanta. It has different nuanced forms, but, but, um, but at any rate, Darwin, uh, interestingly enough, quite a long time ago, posited a greater cognitive faculties to other species of life than has been popular you know, since his time, although that's, that's changing now, as, as I'm saying. So he thought that, beautiful, that, that, that the female species actually was attracted to the beauty in the male and that the attraction selectively on her part caused the males to, to develop beauty and can, you know, to hone that, so to speak. Hmm? I mean, it's still a materialistic perspective that he, of course, the, the way he, he's looking at it and so forth, but he couldn't tie it together in his own mind uh, beauty, aesthetics, and, and survival. They were like uh, separate uh, forces. So, you know, we take, want to take advantage of that idea just to um, make our, our point reality the beautiful. There is an objective substance called reality. Mathematics, from a platonic point of view, capital P, uh, it's thought that mathematical equations exist and they are discovered by humans. Not that they're created by humans to explain the world, but they are, are exp explanations of the world embedded within it that are discovered. Hmm. It's still a popular um, mathematical perspective. Hmm. 
So similar idea. Beauty exists hmm, objectively, even while it reveals itself, its own prerogative, in the eye of the beholder. Hmm? And we take, of course, the collectivity of the natural beauty and by that seek to explain the beautiful. Hmm? Seeing the world as a reflection of the uh, of the Godhead. Hmm? A shadow, so to speak. Um, and so the Bhagavatam, as I say, is full of such beautiful descriptions drawing on nature. I mean, the peacock's example, right? So, peacock feather he has as a crown. Um, and and it it symbolizes in one sense that this idea of bhakti vedanta, wise love, it's the eye hmm, that's beautiful. Hmm? Um, our eyes may be attracted to to beauty, but it may not be wise. Hmm? And the moth could fly into the fire, right? So, um, but yoga, bhakti, vedanta, vedanta means wise. So. A, 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 we have a, as our Vedanta, our Advaigyan Tattva, a, a special kind of non-duality hmm, that includes within it a, a variety of expressions that ornament, hmm, beauty, beautify the, the, the unity. So it's, it's, a, it's one philosophy, but beauty of expression, expression of different angas of bhakti, as I say. Hmm? Um, all of which are powerful. The nine of Prahlad, of course, are very dramatic. They're, they're very powerful, so the way they're presented in the Bhagavatam, it's a very dramatic section for impact, hmm? to have emotional impact upon us. The father, the demonic father who wants to kill God, his, Vishnu is his enemy, right? Asks his son, who he's training to be like himself, what's the best thing you learn in school? And here the, the child says, Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu, Smaranam, etc. This is a huge, like, contrast, a, conf- a conflict, right? So it's a very impactful moment in the drama. And these nine forms of bhakti come out. So they're to be, they're to, that's a moment to be remembered in the Bhagavatam. In other words, the, the nine angas of bhakti enunciated by Prahlad are very important, and they're brought out through the drama of the Bhagavatam in a way that make it easier to, for you to remember they're important, to underscore them. Oh yeah, that section. And wow. And how he, uh, what's his name, uh, Hiranyakasipu responded and so forth. And, and off we go into the story of Prahlad and the harassment on the part of his father and and so on. So anyway, Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu, Samaram, particularly. And Rupa Goswami, to underscore this point, that any Anga of Bhakti is um, unto itself capable of, of, of um, um, delivering the fruits of Bhakti, he gives examples, of, at least with regard to these nine. That could be extended, but he's given examples of these nine, which are so significant. Their swarup siddha bhakti, hmm? prominent examples of, that have power, whether you know about it or not. If you engage in them, they have power. Hmm? Um, 
examples, Shravanam, who became perfect simply by Shravanam. Raj Parikshit, who became perfect, I know you know this one, simply by Kirtanam. Sukadev, we are in the middle of his Kirtan. Hmm? We heard how he attained Swarup City hmm? at the end of the 15th chapter. Hmm? In his narrative, Kirtan, Puranic narrative, the Sabagat narrative, Harikata, hmm? and so on. So, Rupa Goswami gives an example of devotees who became perfect by each of these Angas. Hmm? Um, so, I mention them only by way of referencing the fact that there, there are varieties of expression within sadhana of bhakti. And then there are varieties of expression within, within perfection in terms of spiritual emotion, sakyabhav, matsalibhav, madhuryabhav, and so forth. And these beautify the philosophy. They... They are uh, kind of. A, there's an interpenetrating unity, and and difference, or oneness and and difference. How would you say it? What do they say? Um, anyway, oneness and identity difference, uh, union and not union. It's that first sense and another thing. But anyway, so. Um, this is this is the this is our metaphysic and of course the the cornerstone of the tattva which we refer to achintabeta beta tattva tattva means here the, the philosophy the metaphysic the the the, the, uh, the meta narrative to use a modern term the world view the way we answer all the questions others do as well their own satisfaction based on their son psychology and they think it's all perfectly rational we think ours is perfectly rational hmm? but really it's our psychology and it's their psychology that causes us to adapt different philosophical perspectives that answer the questions for us and those psychologies are all from our perspective from our worldview the result of some scars from previous lives and so forth hmm? Regardless if people believe in other lives or not, they're definitely they adopt, they embrace certain philosophies from a psychological perspective. <laughs> Therefore, tarko patishtanat—that's the fact, right? There can always be another reason, another reasoning. You can reason very tightly, and it, but you can come in and look at it long enough and you can reason about it another way and bring out another another argument. So, Tarko, reasoning, the sutras tell us, you cannot get firm standing in terms of comprehensive knowing by reason alone. But that does not mean you should not apply your reason or be a reasonable, rational devotee hmm, whose spiritual perspective has intellectual integrity. Again, bhakti Vedanta, not bhakti without Vedanta, as my Guru Maharaj used to say, religion 
without philosophy, there's simply sentiment. Hmm? There's religious fanaticism. And then there becomes an over-glorification. What? How could you possibly over-glorify? It's quite possible. <laughs> it happens all the time. Hmm? Right? He's the only way, whether it be Jesus or your Prabhupada or whoever, <laughs> the only way. Hmm? Not exactly what they taught, but <laughs> say, the, say the least. Uh, um, so, religious fanaticism. And then philosophy without religion that just becomes a mental exercise and that's the that's the state of affairs in modern western philosophy philosophy in early on in Europe um, during the renaissance became unhinged from revelation this case being the western revelation unhinged and not and free to just think whatever to think that you don't exist maybe as Camus and uh, and who's the other one? Sartre and so forth. Uh, uh, so it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's dead, dead industry. It's thought to be replaced by science, of course, which is just interpretation of facts. Really, we're back to philosophy again. But anyway, that so no thinking should be done. Reason should be fully applied in relation to revelation. Instead of kewalyukti, reasoning unhinged from revelation, shastrayukti, reason tied to revelation, to reason about its implications, its significance, how it might apply in different times and different circumstances, what might be the far-reaching ramifications Hmm? With, with such that there's ongoing new light hmm? and the tradition remains alive. Hmm? That's what it means, Guru Parampara. That's what, that's what it means, keeping it alive. Hmm? And, that, and that, that is what, that is what the, 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 the character, characteristic of Uttam, Uttamadikar, who has, who has, who has uh, highly qualified to tread the path. Shastra Yukti, Shastra Nipun. Hmm. So the importance of Shastra, the kind of, it's kind of like a um, an overture from the other side. Hmm. Human life is a question. Shastra is an answer. Human life, I often have described in this way. It is a question. What is the question? It's a it's a it's it's a question that doesn't arise in other other species of life, despite their cognitive faculties, hmm? given the limitations that the particular um, biological uh, uh, organism. Uh, imposes. So, matter can shape consciousness or shape its ability to express itself or not express itself. If I drive in a Volkswagen and you drive in a BMW, the, the car is going to shape how fast you and I could go. Hmm? 
But if I got into BMW, then I could go as fast or whatever. <laughs> right? So human life is 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 certainly and it's therefore it's reasonable to some extent why someone might think like Descartes did and many people thereafter, although not subscribing to his form of dualism necessarily, that uh, that humans alone are self-aware. Hmm? Because they certainly are to a greater extent, even if other species are. Therefore, we have these type of discussions and so forth. Okay. Self-awareness. Hmm. So, point. so hmm. too many thoughts. So self-awareness. In reason, in relation to to revelation. Human life, I'm saying, is is a is a question. The question is, why? In human life, the cognitive faculty and the extent to which consciousness expresses itself or exhibits self-awareness is considerable in comparison to other species of life. And therefore, one of the symptoms of this is that we begin to ask and really focus on, to a large extent, a qualitative question rather than a quantitative question, right? The quantitative question is like how to get food, how to get a mate, how to do this, how to do that, not why am I? Why did they not bring that sweet alfalfa today? Why is my calf not here? Porna goes. <laughs> she may, in our world, think like that, but but really, this why question: Why am I? This is what the qualitative question: purpose, meaning, value, and so forth. This is all arising out of in human life. So it's. A big question. Oh, oh you missed him. Or her. Okay. So, sit down. Let nature take its course. Sarah. Don't ask why. But we do ask why. And the why, the answer to the why question, it cannot come from nature. Nature supplies answers to quantitative questions, but not to the why question. It pushes us somewhere else to look within where, where, where the question's arising in, in consciousness. Consciousness is qualitative. You can't quantify it. So the answer to why, so to speak, this is what Shastra is. It's the answer to the question that human life is. Hmm? So, we're to reason about the implications of that. Hmm? 
and so too many people have, have unfortunately, the, unfortunately, the way in which we reason about the implications of Shastra, of course, for us it's Eastern Revelation, but we can equally reason about the Western form of, of Revelation, find beauty there, meaning. But the way in which we reason about Shastra, note, is not that just we go there with our reasoning and, ex- and examine it. That has to be an aspect of our approach. Therefore, we're not academics who study Hinduism and know it, know the, know the philosophy better than some devotees, but don't act like, like you know it at all. Right? So, as it says, it should be approached. Tadviti, pranipatena, and so forth. Pariprashnena, say all these stuff. There's a way to approach. It's the kind of knowledge that has an agenda of its own. It's not the kind of knowledge you could put on your agenda for your purpose. You find out you're on its agenda. This is a very different kind of knowledge. You to approach it differently, and in the context of that approach, we apply our, our reasoning. Then we can come to... Um, um, a deeper understanding of its implications, it will strengthen our practice, and so on and so forth. And within all of this, the, the point here I'm making in a roundabout way, of course, is that the cornerstone of our particular philosophical perspective, worldview, coming from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and the founding Acharyas, Rupa Sanatana, Diva Swami, founding Acharyas of our Sampradaya, is this point. Krishna's too, Bhagavan Swayam. Krishna is the source of all avatars. And therefore, all taste, all rasaraj is possible in relation to him. So, when he swims, he can swim like Matsya. Imagine how Kaliya must have, as they say, must have thought what. I mean, he's he's a coward boy, and he's swimming like better than a better than an eel, better than a naga, better than a. I mean, who can swim better than Matsya, right? When God wants to be a fish, is the idea, right? There's das avatar. There's of course asankhya, innumerable avatars, but the ten of ten have been um, often in in, in poetry and uh, selected. And they do, interestingly enough, they have a corresponding kind of, they kind of correspond with an evolution of species from aquatics to reptiles and to reptiles to to uh, mammals. And then you have the dwarf, and then you have the, the, the uncivilized man, Vamana and Parasharam, and then Ram, Ramchandra, the perfect man. Perfectly moral, therefore he can't be human. <laughs> He's perfectly moral. He says he must be superhuman. And then Ram Balram, of course, the drunk man. <laughs> He's intoxicated with uh, with uh, charm and beauty of life, forest dweller, so on. Buddha, wise. Kalki and so forth. So, and at any rate, all the avatars, all the possibilities mm. within Krishna, therefore, 
He is the supreme, the center. He can take all the love. So two things have to be there. They said, if you want to engage in unalloyed love, you have to have the center that can take the love. If you want to love like a like a lover, you you can't approach Narayan. He's not he's not going to be able to accept that. Hmm? He can accept some type of agape, but not any kind of transcendental arrows. Hmm? So Krishna, the perfect object of love, Rasaraj. And the second thing is what? That you have to give without hesitation, without restriction, without expectation of getting. Hmm? You have to give without expectation of return, with the idea, at least philosophically, that the giving is the getting. And when you have that idea, and then you give to the one who can actually take, then you can realize that the giving is the getting. So sometimes people think, I gave unlimitedly, and all I got back in return was, you know, she left me, you know, he left me. Hmm. Of course, two problems there. He or she was not the perfect object of love who could accept unlimitedly, and what you thought was unloyed giving was arising from within the bodily concept of life, which you have to come out of the influence of in order to give without expectation of return. It's impossible within the bodily conception of life because there, there it, it, it imposes upon us a necessity that's not natural for us. We don't have the bodily necessity, whether it be subtle or, or gross, but as much as we've identified with that, that necessity drives our our giving, hmm? or is 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 yeah. I mean, it's factored into the motivation for our giving, hmm? however big it may be. I mean, we may give up the selfish life of my own concerns only and share with another hmm? and then expand with children and then I may leave the family for the country hmm? and take up the political sphere and think not what you can do for your family but what you, what your country can do for your family but what you can do for your, for your, for your country hmm? Even at the cost of the family life, you'll be busy and traveling and whatever. I mean, that's the theory and so forth, right? So that now you now the the it's become bigger, right? The sense of self has expanded by sacrifice to now include the countries. I am. I am the country, and then I am the I am the, the galaxy. However, you want to. Subtly, you want to expand it. Hmm? Come, unless we come out from the bodily concept of life, we cannot give unlimitedly. Hmm? There'll be another imposing factor upon us that, that uh, imposes a necessity that drives us. So, so at any rate, we need the perfect object of love, and we need to give without reservation. And when we have the perfect object of love in the Krishna, then, then we can approach, because hmm, how we have that, because bhakti has come to us. So now we have a method also by which we can begin to love unconditionally because we have the perfect object of love and 
the love is such that before decorating the heart, it cleanses the heart. Right? So there's no more powerful purificatory uh, process or methodology than Bhakti herself. So she takes us out of the bodily concept of life. That's the yoga, right? So there's some loving then, real loving in the context of bhakti, even sadhana bhakti. So, a very important point, and it, it just comes out here um, for, for the moment in the context of the Leela, where we find Krishna swimming like Matsya. And imagine now what, how startling this was to Kaliya. I mean, he lives underwater. He knows, you know. I mean, it's pretty fascinating. You want to go to the aquarium and look at how they. Does a fish have? Does a frog have lips? Does a fish have hips? You know. <laughs> I mean, whoa. <laughs> that's fascinating for humans to watch, as it is for us to watch any species, because we think, I should be able to do that. I should be able to go to the bottom of the ocean. I should be able to go to the to the to the heights of the eagle. Of course, the reason we think like that and no other species thinks like that is because, as we said earlier, the self is coming out in human life, and and the, the fact that there are no limitations, uh, material limitations on the self, we don't realize that's what's going on. But that sense, we have a sense. Therefore, human life is constantly celebrating the measure to which we exceed the limits of our humanness, whether it be one ten-thousandth of a second, and the gold medal is won, and he's gone beyond, he's gone, and they've gone here, and they've gone. We didn't think we could go there. This is all the, all the, it's all about the self without, for the most part, realizing that. That has those possibilities that exists in any situation. It can fly higher than the eagle and dive deeper than the Kaliya. <laughs> right. So, Kaliya's in his own aquarium there. <laughs> He's acquainted with every, you know, all the movement, and suddenly here is this coward comes in and swims better than, better than himself. So he was genuinely... I mean, he's envious, but he's but but the beauty of Krishna is, he can try to now turn it into something other than what it is. That's the nature of envy, right? It turns good qualities into into bad. This is an incredible power that it has. It's just incredible to watch an envious person turn a good person or a person's good qualities into bad qualities. It's just, it's just, it's mind-boggling what they come up with and how, con- how convinced they are of that. Huh? How, how wrong they are. It's, it's, it's incredible. Very, very uh, unbecoming. Uh, envy in general. What to speak of for devotees. Hmm? They have a tendency to find the good qualities in, in, in others. And the bad qualities in themselves. Hmm. But anyway, he saw, I mean, this is just one, Krishna's beautiful as it is, but to speak of swimming in his own realm and um, like Matsya, 
Kaliya was genuinely fascinated by this. Hmm? Reeling uh, from it, so to speak. Now, of course, as he was swimming in there, then he wasn't talking underwater, but his swimming was making a sound. Right? And, and it was like underwater music. Problem is, snakes can't hear. Uh-huh. <laughs> you didn't know that, right? Oh, maybe you did. His swimming made a pleasing, musical-like sound underwater, vibration that Kalia was able to tune into. Snakes have no visible ears. And as such, they don't hear sounds as humans do, but they do have vestiges of the apparatus of hearing inside their heads attached to their jaws. You can remember that when you see one. Thus they feel vibrations very well. Of course, however, Nagas are depicted as half-serpents and half-humans. As such, Kaliya Naga actually heard Krishna's vibes that appeared to put him on notice within his own home. As far as we get today. Questions? What's the time? Let's try it. I mean, it, it came to my mind because I was reading about it. You mentioned Balaram's intoxication. And, and before, actually, we've been talking about like the position of Yamuna, maybe. And I could never really... What's the position of Yamuna? Yamuna, baby. We were talking about her? Yeah. Before, yeah. You know, yeah. Shumana, all her glory you know, I could never really wrap my head around the pastime where, where Balaram becomes intoxicated and, and then calls the Muna Devi, and she doesn't come, and then he threatens her, and then she comes. And I was wondering if there's, like, what, you got any insight about what's supposed sure. to be drawn from that? Well, a number of things, but one of the main things is something that I brought up in our recent talks, and that is the fact that Balaram is misunderstood. Just like Nityananda was misunderstood, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu went out of his way to repeatedly to um, point out to his devotees the exalted position of Nityananda Prabhu. Famous, the Chaitanya Charitamrita arose out of a misconception of Nityananda Prabhu. Hmm? How much do we know about Nityananda Prabhu from, from Krishnadas Kaviraj's work? In his own brother's house where he stayed, hmm, it became apparent to him through the uh, grace of Miniketan Ramdas, a, a devotee of Nityananda Prabhu, that his brother, Krishnadasa's brother in whose house he was living, did not respect Nityananda Prabhu, although he respected Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And Krishnadas, upon realizing this, said that so-called praise, affection, affinity for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that shows up if he flipped the coin as uh, disregard for Nityananda Prabhu is 
like a fellow who had a chicken and he was making money by selling eggs. And out of one hole in the chicken came the eggs. Out of the other hole, his mouth, he had to put grain and feed, which cost money. So one hole was making money and one hole was costing him money. So he cut off the chicken's head. Why, why waste money on that hole, he thought. Of course, that was the end of his business. So this is, this is Kabiraj's own explanation to this. If you don't, if you say you love Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, but you don't appreciate Nityananda you have no love for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? And he left his home. He walked out in the night, became homeless. And Nityananda and his Gopals, Radha's Gopals, appeared to him in a dream and sent him to Vrindavan, where he would then become, with that blessing, the author of Chaitanya Charitamrita. So, Chaitanya Charitamrita comes to us out of a misconception about Nityananda Prabhu. Just to emphasize, there are many examples directly in the text itself and other texts as well. I mean, Vrindavan Das in his Chaitanya Bhagavad, which also comes from Nityananda Prabhu, he says, Nityananda Antaryami. Nityananda Prabhu in my heart told me to write this book. So these are the two main, main books we have. They come from Nityananda Prabhu about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So he's giving Chaitanya Mahaprabhu the He started the whole Sampradaya. Bajago Ranga Kahago Ranga. Lago Ranga Namri. Yejana Goranga Bajay Seyamar Pranri. Before there were any Goswami philosophy or anything in Bengal, he just started the worship of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who himself, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, was advocating the worship of Krishna. So, point being, right, that Nityananda Prabhu, Prabhu being unorthodox in his behavior and so forth was, uh, was, was often misunderstood. And Balaram is often misunderstood. Other Vaishnavas, Sampradayas consider him a jiva sometimes, or an Avesh avatar of Seish, different ideas. That's why in the 15th chapter of 10th Canto, Krishna, in the beginning of his cowherding, Gopastami, he glorifies this beautiful eulogy that we went over of Balaram to point out the, the, the oneness in, between Krishna and Balaram, ontologically speaking. They're different emotionally, but Balaram is not an avatar. Krishna expands Balaram in Braj. The two expand themselves for Leela and Mathura and Dwarka. Mm. And then they expand into the Chaturvila in Vaikuntha. And from that Mahasankarshan in Vaikuntha comes the Mahavishnu and the Shiradakshai, Garbhadakshai Vishnu, all expansions of Balaram. He's not an avatar of them. <laughs> He's not an avatar of Sage. It's the opposite way around. So, so uh, here's an example, Leela, that you're pointing out, that Jamuna didn't understand Balaram. And that's how he responded. He called her over. He got intoxicated. This is, of course, special Leela. We haven't got time to go into the details of this, but um, um, and who those gopis were and so forth. And very interesting. I've written about it, but... Not time to go into it now, but there he was. With, 
and then and in in a bit of in in the in the spirit of the party, he called the Jamuna. This is, of course, it, it, one of the ways in which this um, affair of Balaram with his gopis differs from Krishna's Rasalila in that he shows Aishvarya. Hmm. You can say this Aishvarya in the Rasalila that Krishna appeared with every gopi, but every gopi didn't know that. Hmm. But here, Balaram tells the Jumuna, come over here. We're over here, and we don't want to walk over there. We want to bathe in you. Come over here. And she ignores him. And so he takes his plow and straightens her out. Who is Balaram? So again, another instance in which Bhagavatam points out, who is Balaram? Even Jamuna didn't know. Wasn't sure. Of course, he was drunk, so <laughs> she thought, maybe he's not. <laughs> So, uh, uh, that's one partial explanation. But, again, it's an interesting point that, that the Aishwari and the, and the Leela is very different. Therefore, that's one of the reasons why Balaram's relationship with his gopis is, is Mariada, not Rag. From the Rag perspective, we look at him through the lens of Sakirasa. That is his Rag. His own marital and conjugal affairs they're of, of, a, of a different nature that's, that's, that's why it's not it's not the focus of, of Gaudiya Vaishnavism it's because it's not the full focus on Ram, Balaram the full focus on Balaram is Balaram as the friend of Krishna as the object of, of love along with Krishna of Sakiras for the cowherds and so forth his married life is like he is like the the best friend of the leading man hmm, who has his leading lady and that friend also has a wife whoever she is but she doesn't show up oh, yeah, yeah. he's with his wife she doesn't even show up in the play but we know he's married something like that so, that's the lens through which Gaudiya Vaishnavism looks at, at Balaram it's important to understand that. Shri Nityanandaram ki jai, Dauji Gopal ki jai, Guru Vaishnava Guru Parampara ki jai, Esi Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada ki jai, Bhakti Rakshak Shri Radeva Swami ki jai, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur Prabhupada ki jai, Shri Bhaktivinod Paribar ki jai, Gaur Bhaktivinda ki jai, Gaur Premanande.